Simon told Ellie in part one about him and his peers' obstacles with their education. He experienced the role of being a principal in a boarding school later in his life, and I was curious to see if these challenges were still faced by the children today. Yeah, it differs uh, in a way that I was walking to school every day uh, without shoes, without uh, books, without pens, and the children in the school, uh, they are blessed that we they have visitors who visit uh, Gulu, and when they go to school, they have been sending uh, writing materials like pens, books, uh, for these kids in the school. So they had uh, materials to write for the years that I was the principal, which now is not uh, happening because uh, I'm here and... Uh, the children are in need of those materials as well. So they, 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 the only difference is uh, we, when I was the principal, we, we were keeping the children in the school and uh, giving them uh, food at least within the school, two meals a day. Uh, however, they, they, we were not giving them diet, but they were having food to eat and teachers were teaching them and, uh, they, they they were happy. They were happy despite uh, a lot of challenges and uh, uh, the fact that many of them are uh, orphans and they, they don't have their parents. Uh, but we tried to take good care of them, and uh, we are still uh, struggling to see how to help them become better citizens in the country. Where were the visitors from? Uh, most visitors are were from America. And uh, we had the school supplies from uh, 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 many people from the U.S. who were sending uh, scholastic materials, books, pens, uh, pencils, eraser, uh, things like that to help the children there. Now that he is in America and is not capable of leaving the school each day, Simon told me how things have changed. He studied the Lord's Resistance Army and its development in Uganda over many years. The Juba talks were a series of negotiations between the Uganda government and the LRA for a ceasefire and possible peace agreement. I asked Simon about how this affected the individuals living in Uganda today. Yes, the last peace agreement was uh, signed in uh, uh, 2008. So from that time, we see that uh, the schools uh, started running again. Most schools started running again. Uh, after they were destroyed, and uh, even if the conditions are not good, but uh, schools are running and uh, many schools are starting in the country, so it's helping. Deacon Simon was the headmaster of St. Michael the Archangel Orthodox High School in northern Uganda and taught about 500 students. I asked him about the facilities available for the students living there. There are facilities, but they are not enough for all the students. We had 558 students, and some students were sharing mattress. And we couldn't get enough food for, to feed all the students. And many students are often in the schools. Uh, so it was very hard to help them because some of them come to the school with all the needs. Uh, financially, uh, scholastic material, their parents could not afford, their guidance actually could not afford. So they come to the school 
and we do not have a lot of facilities uh, for them. We don't have a library where students can go and read uh, to expand on their knowledge. We don't have uh, like uh, practical rooms that are well equipped uh, with all the 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 the, the the items to do practicals. Uh, we don't have enough classrooms. Uh, we have many students in a class and like uh, four uh, students share one desk. So it's very hard for them to sit on one desk and then write, but uh, that was the, uh, that was what we had. Those were the facilities we had and we couldn't do anything much to, uh, to improve that and these conditions still remain the same. Simon continues to tell me what the school would do in a health emergency. He used to put the student on a motorcycle and send them to town where they can get uh, medical treatment. Uh, in some occasions, we used to invite also the medical department to come and uh, check uh, the students and to test our girls and, and to make sure they are uh, uh, healthy but it was expensive so we couldn't do it uh, every month or every semester but when a student falls sick we we, we call um, somebody with a motorcycle or a teacher can offer to take that uh, uh, child to the hospital I, I did this many times uh, sometimes in the middle of the night I had to leave my house which is uh, eight kilometers away from the school and then come and take the sick student to the hospital in the middle of the night and it's very risky it's dark uh, all the roads that would be dark we don't have electricity so it it was it was not easy it's not easy the united states set up the tororo girls school built by the usaid in 1963 and modeled after the american educational system this is one example of a project that modernized the school system trained teachers and broadened its curriculum the USAID also introduced teacher training for special needs students to integrate them into the mainstream school system. I was able to hear about the way foreign aid has helped students today. Before we were receiving gifts from uh, people in America, many students could fall out of school uh, after one semester because they don't have uh, writing material. When they use the one they have, if they use it up, there's no way they can get uh, another writing material. So the only thing is they just leave uh, schools. They go back and stay home. And we tried to follow up with those kind of students, and we found out that they are so vulnerable and the, the, the families that they are living with are also so vulnerable and they cannot afford uh, materials like that. So in many cases, uh, uh, students leave the school, but uh, with the foreign aid, with the support from people in America, many students were able to complete their high school in our school and uh, uh, graduate, and we were very happy to see them graduating and leaving the school when they're so happy. That the admission fee for one student for one year was $225. This contributed to their education, medical assistance, and housing. The foreign aid Simon discussed helped the schools get reconstructed and provided lots of the supplies used by the students there. In the 1980s, as Uganda was ruled by President Yari Museveni, corruption took over the nation. Amanda and I decided to interview Simon Menya to highlight the contrasting lifestyles of his childhood compared to the children in his community. 
Since he grew up in Uganda in an impoverished community, he knows firsthand the many aspects of poverty. Now, working in the school, he has seen how the children are growing up today. My focus is to understand Menya's life as a child, growing up in Uganda during the rule of Museveni. In 1987, when the Lord Resistance Army was at its peak in northern Uganda, many individuals and families felt the impact. The LRA waged a war of attrition against the government and peoples of Uganda. They aimed to depose Ugandan President Museveni and establish a new government based on the Ten Commandments. Simon Menya speaks from his experiences and says, Thank you very much for this question. Uh, growing up in northern Uganda, uh, seeing uh, the rebels coming to abduct uh, young children and turning them into soldiers, it was very impacting on my life uh, because uh, I couldn't stay at home. Um, many times I was hiding in the bush, in the forest, just by myself. Uh, so that the rebels cannot come home and find me and take me into captivity and turn me into uh, being a soldier. And at some point, after some years, it was very hard for me to continue that life because I was not even going to school. And so I had to move uh, from um, uh, our village to uh, the town, uh, which was uh, in uh, south of the country. And uh, there I was living with relatives and uh, relatives who had extended uh, families and life was very hard for me. So it, it was not easy. It was not easy. Although Simon struggled during this time as he avoided the rebel groups, I was still curious to learn if he had ever had a direct interaction with Joseph Kony's army. Uh, yes, I would say yes. Uh, Two of my brothers were killed uh, during the war, and uh, one of them left uh, uh, six uh, children. Uh, so that was a direct impact on 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 me from 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 the war. And of course, uh, uh, I was not able to go to school. Uh, we were people were not able to go to the garden and work uh, every uh, every morning uh, because the rebels would come and. Uh, uh, attacked the village and uh, it was it was a different experience and it was very hard life. I have learned that the United States government set up a program to improve the agricultural sector and the living standards of more than 650,000 farm families. I was wondering if Simon felt these efforts. I don't know. I don't know if it was uh, only United States, but a lot of agencies were coming uh, with relief aid. Uh, we, there were a lot of agencies like uh, uh, United Nations, um, uh, Red Cross societies. And, uh, uh, of recent, there was uh, 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 invisible children that were coming to help the children. So I don't know if they were uh, specifically from uh, United States or from other countries as well. I don't know. Were these relief agencies passing out food and other supplies? Yes, they were passing out food and uh, uh, trying to give people medications. Uh, people were put in internally displaced camps where they didn't have food, they didn't have water, they didn't have schools. And so the, the relief aids were coming to offset that. Foreign aid made a great impact for health and education facilities. 
Some hospitals and schools were constructed by funding from other countries to provide for the Ugandan people. Also, when people were sent to the internal displacement camps, they were sent food for support. Simon discussed when he came to our class that he has been the principal of a school for many years. I was interested to learn more about his education as a child growing up in Uganda. I grew up in a village and I was the uh, only child who was going to school uh, because uh, many children in the village could not, uh, their parents could not afford to buy pencils or pen like that to send them to school. So at the age of uh, uh, six years old, I was already walking seven uh, kilometers, which is about uh, five miles every day. That's one way to school and then one way back. So in a day, I would walk uh, about 10 miles to go to school and then uh, come back. So it was very hard and walking on barefoot without shoes and a very strong sun, sunlight, heat with, 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 without shoes, it was very, very, very hard thing for me to do at that age. So, uh, but after the, the, the war was very intense, there were no uh, schools were closed. I had to move to town to live with the relatives. And then uh, I started going to other schools uh, somewhere else. And I had to complete my uh, high school from those locations. And uh, uh, I went to university and I graduated as a high school teacher. And then I was teaching in uh, a high school and I was a principal for uh, four years in a high school in Uganda. Growing up, I've always had the privilege to go to a school nurse or a local doctor when needed. This brought me to thinking what these families were offered since their communities were not built upon a school. When I was a child, actually up to now, we don't have a, a health insurance. Uh, people know, are not aware of it. Uh, people have get treated in the hospitals uh, out of their pocket. So when I was a child, it was uh, very hard. I saw many people dying in the villages because they don't have money to go to the hospital and they could not afford it. So uh, I've not been any, under any medical insurance until I came to the U.S. So the health insurance is, 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 we don't know about it, it doesn't exist. Uh, the health facilities, uh, we have some government hospitals, but uh, uh, there are some health centers in the villages. Government hospitals are in the town. In most towns we have government hospitals where people get, go and get uh, uh, treatment, but it's always crowded because uh, uh, some services the government give it for free, so everyone uh, goes there and uh, it, it overwhelms the, 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 the facilities. So however we have the medical facilities but they're overcrowded and not everyone is able to get the support, the medical support that they really need. So some people decide not to go to the hospital. Um, to the they can because they cannot afford the private hospital, and the government hospital are so crowded, so they decide not to go. Uh, yeah.